and welcome to the Saturday, November 9th edition of the Land Grant Holy Land Tailgate Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Tamanini. Every Ohio State football game day this season, I will be kicking off your morning with all of the details that you need to be prepared for that day's contest, whether you are watching the game at the shoe, road tripping to an away game, or enjoying it from the comforts of your own home. However, I will not be doing it all on my own, as every week I will be joined by 610 WTV and sports reporter the legendary Laurie Schmidt for her unique insights into the game with a peek under the hat. Today at noon, the top-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes, who are 8-0 on the season, will face the Maryland Terrapins in Ohio Stadium after narrowly escaping the game in College Park last season with an absurdly tense 52-51 victory. However, they will be doing it without the best player in college football, as it was announced yesterday that Heisman Trophy contending defensive end Chase Young will be held out of the game as the university and NCAA investigate and rule on his eligibility. We are going to get much more in-depth about this in a few minutes with Lori Schmidt, but here is what we know as of now. Friday morning, Austin Ward of Letterman Row broke the story that was quickly confirmed by the release of this week's availability report. The statement from the university said, quote, Ohio State's Chase Young will not play in this Saturday's game between the Buckeyes and the Maryland Terrapins due to a possible NCAA issue from 2018 that the Department of Athletics is looking into. Shortly thereafter, Young himself tweeted, quote, I made a mistake last year by accepting a loan from a family friend I've known since the summer before my freshman year at OSU. I repaid it in full last summer, and I'm working with the university and NCAA to get back on the field as soon as possible. In Ward's initial reporting, he indicated that the university was optimistic to have Young back soon, and that seems to have been confirmed throughout the day. The indication from Fox's Joel Klatt, who will be calling the game today, is that despite rumors to the contrary, the family friend is not, in fact, an agent, and the expectation is that there will be a ruling from the NCAA next week. Yesterday evening, the Columbus Dispatch's Bill Rabinowitz and Joey Kaufman reported that it is believed that the loan in question was to pay for Young's family to be able to fly to California in order to attend the Rose Bowl in Pasadena on New Year's Day this year. As the article notes, quote, if Ohio State had been in the college football playoff, such expenses would have been covered by a special fund to defray costs for players' families, something that Urban Meyer and the families of the 2014 National Championship team fought hard to earn. We will get into some more of the nuances of this story with Lori Schmidt momentarily, but in the meantime, we will get you back to the regularly scheduled Maryland game preview. The Terps come into the game with a 3-6 and six record overall and are just 1-5 and five in the Big Ten during head coach Mike Loxley's first season. The game will kick off at 12 noon Columbus time and will be Fox's big noon Saturday game of the week. On the call for the game will be Gus Johnson, along with the aforementioned Joel Klatt providing color commentary and Jenny Taft reporting from the sidelines. As always, the game can be heard on both 97.1 FM and 1460 AM, where the voice of the Buckeyes' Paul Keels will be on the call, along with Ohio State legend Jim Lachey supplying color commentary and Matt Andrews on the sideline reporting. The temperature will be a crisp 39 degrees at kickoff under partly cloudy skies with apparently no chance of rain being forecasted. So if you are heading out to the shoot today, make sure to bundle up. she got a hat and a scarf and earmuffs and all of those things. 
The line for the game opened with Ohio State minus 42 at Bovada. It has been as high as 44, but as of recording time, it is at 43 points from almost every sports book. The over-under for the game is 66 points with Bovada, but you can find it at 66.5 elsewhere, I believe. As a reminder, after they failed to cover their season opener against Florida Atlantic, the Buckeyes have been 7-0 against the spread ever since. Only three of Ohio State's games have actually hit the over this season, but not for lack of scoring on the Buckeyes' side. Maryland has only covered twice in Big Ten action this season in their 48-7 win over Rutgers. That's going to be fun next week, isn't it? And in their 34-28 defeat at the hands of the Indiana Hoosiers. But we will have much more about the Terps' season shortly. But first, let's get into the rest of the non-Chase Young availability report. On Friday, when the depth chart was released, it was announced that not only would Young miss the game, but so would his counterpart on the other end of the defensive line, Jonathan Cooper. The senior captain has been in and out of the lineup all season and will again sit out this game against the Terps. The depth chart didn't exactly define who the starters would be at end, but true freshman Zach Harrison or redshirt freshman Javante Jean-Baptiste will be starting in Young's position, while either sophomore Tyreek Smith or sophomore Tyler Friday will start in Cooper's spot. I don't know that it necessarily matters who starts in these positions, as I would think that all four of these young players will get plenty of playing time at the end spots throughout the game. I also would not be completely surprised if Jay Sean Cornell, who is starting at defensive tackle, didn't jump outside in a pinch as he did in the season opener. Also ruled out for the game against the Terps are wide receiver Cameron Babb, defensive tackle Noah Donald, wide receiver Elijah Gardner, tight end Cormonte Hamilton, safety Ronnie Hickman, H-back CJ Saunders, and defensive tackle Teron Vincent. Wide receiver Austin Mack and linebacker Taraja Mitchell will both be game time decisions. As a reminder, the Horseshoe's Wi-Fi password for non-students, faculty, and staff is OSU Fan Wi-Fi. That is lowercase OSU, capital F, lowercase A-N, capital W, lowercase I-F-I. As always, Ohio Stadium gates will open two hours before kickoff, so at 10 a.m. today. The doors to St. John Arena will open four hours prior to kick if you would like to make your way inside to get seats for the Skull Session. Again, those doors will open at 8 a.m. and the Skull Session will get underway at 9.40. Today's ramp entrance will commence at 11.40, followed by a traditional single script Ohio. The halftime show will be incredibly smooth as the best damn band in the land performs to the music of Santana. But here's the catch. Instead of facing the West stands like they have for decades, they instead will be performing to the east side of Ohio Stadium. Gotta love that curveball from the Ohio State University Marching Band, keeping us on our toes. Now, let's take a look at Maryland's season thus far. I'm not going to lie, there's no way to sugarcoat this. It's pretty painful. After a 79 to nothing win over some guy named Howard in the season opener, the Terps hosted the then number 21 Syracuse Orange in Week 2. Despite being heavy underdogs in the game, Maryland pulled off the monstrous 63-20 upset over Dino Babers' boys. It went so big that it got people excited for Maryland football and got them into the AP poll at number 21. Unfortunately for the Turtles, it was pretty short-lived, as they turned around and lost 20-17 against Temple in their next game, and then 59-0 against the Penn State Nittany Lions. After beating up on Rutgers the first week of October, Maryland has been winless ever since, dropping their next four games against Purdue, Indiana, Minnesota, and Michigan by a combined score of 164-59. to 
on the season, they are averaging 29.6 points per game, but they're giving up 30. Both of those totals are in the middle third of the NCAA rankings. We will get much more into the numbers in the matchup shortly, but before we do, we will be taking a short break, but then we will be back to chat with 610 WTVN's legendary sports reporter, Lori Schmidt. We are joined, as always, by 610 WTVN's Lori Schmidt. This is Friday. Happy Friday uh, to you, Lori. You are always the bright spot of my week, Matt. <laughs> That's not true, but I'll take it anyway. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, this week, for a lot of Ohio State fans, they're going to need a bright spot because Friday was a bit of a mess. I woke up to messages on Twitter and in our Land Grant Holy Land Slack channel asking what the heck was going on on Twitter and why all of Buckeye Nation was burning down Twitter.com. And we come to find out that it has to do with Chase Young. At that point, rumors being that he was kicked off the team and took money from an agent. We think, as of now, that that's not exactly the case. And obviously, we don't know all of the details. Lori, we are recording around 530 on Friday evening. There was no media availability at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center on Friday. So you were not there to get any firsthand information. But... You are one of the smartest, most tuned in, and most insightful people I know, especially when it comes to Ohio State sports. So, from your understanding of the situation, where are we standing with Chase Young and this whole rigmarole? Well, I think the most important thing is something that we do know for sure that Chase Young said about the situation was that he received a loan and then he paid it back this summer before the infraction was ever uncovered uh, before the season even started. So it shouldn't uh, jeopardize any games that Ohio State has already played, if that is true. Uh, I think that Chase Young's statement is probably the most pertinent information that we have on the topic right now, uh, in which he says he received a loan and it's already been paid back. Now, there has been some reporting since then as to who this loan is from, uh, a family friend, um Different sources saying that he is a registered NFL agent. Um, most reports as of, again, recording time, 530 on Friday, saying that is not the case. But again, the most salient detail is that whomever this loan is from, it's been paid back. And if we judge by NCAA precedent, it looks to be a situation where if that all is the case, we're looking at one to two games with Chase Young out of the lineup. And it's a real shame for him that it is this week, Matt, because he is a Maryland native. He went to the C school, DeMatha Catholic, as 12 Terrapins players. And he was one half sack shy of tying the OSU single season record of 14 set by Vernon Golston. So this could have been a very, very special weekend for him. And now he's going to be spending it watching OSU and it obviously derails any Heisman hope I would think yeah I, there's a lot to unpack there I think the one thing that we need to be cautious of I don't I think everything you said is going to prove out to be true the one thing I will say is that there if the NCAA does determine that there is some sort of infraction that happened and then they determine that Ohio State either knew before reporting which I think knowing OSU's history of being overly cautious on these things is probably not true. But if they ruled that Ohio State should have known, 
that chase was that this happened and there was a violation or did not do enough to prevent it, they could still be held uh, to account for the games that he did play. I don't think that that's going to happen mm-hmm. because, as you said, Laurie, it does seem like it's fairly straightforward based on not only Chase's statement, but his lawyer's statement um, and also all the subsequent reporting that we've seen. But there is that case that if Ohio State is found to have been neglectful in either reporting or in doing its due diligence to have known something had happened – they could be held liable for the eight games that they've already played. I don't foresee that happening, but I do just want to make sure that we have that on the record. Um, bases covered. Yes, bases are covered. Different sport. We will mix our sports metaphors here as we like. <laughs> um, you, the other thing about that, I think, though, is really interesting, Lori. We think that Chase was making his way to the top of the Heisman Trophy list, at least for a finalist spot. I would imagine that any sniff of an NCAA violation would hamper his candidacy, especially when all of the 900 or something Heisman voters aren't necessarily as plugged in as maybe the people who are following everything super closely. I I think that that voting group tends to be a little less up to date or, or, or progressive in terms of their views on some of these things. But uh, this is going to have zero impact on his NFL career. It will have zero impact on his chances to be an All-American. Um, as we saw with HaHa Clinton Dix about five years ago, six years ago, he was an All-American the same season after he set out two games for taking a loan from a strength and conditioning coach at Alabama. So I, I think the Heisman might be off the table, even though I think he still could somehow manage to get an invitation. But for the most part, the things that it really hurts are personal for him. I, it, I don't think it's going to matter in the games against Maryland or Rutgers if he's out, as long as he's backed by Penn State. But some of those individual marks, the experiences of playing against his his home state team, uh, his opportunity to really do something great and be a defensive player that could contend for a Heisman. I don't think it's going to have any impact on anything big picture for Ohio State, assuming he doesn't miss more than two games. Well, he, he could have maybe, and it, it still would have been tenuous because of the Heisman voters' tendency to look at numbers um, and they're the benefit of the doubt they give quarterbacks who, in fairness to the position, do touch the ball on every single offensive play unless they're in a wildcat. Um, so it, there could have been the chance that he would have remained in the Heisman race had he not been playing in a season when you have quarterbacks doing what hurts and Tua and, you know, the the former Buckeye Joe Burrow are doing, mm. but any defensive player was going to have a, a mountain to climb to get to the top of that, that balloting. And then you throw in those contenders and then you throw in missing a game. And it's just, yes, the, the, the likelihood that he remains in that race, especially if it ends up being two games. I, I just, I can't, I'm not even sure he makes it to New York in that situation. Yeah. Uh, then again, an angry Chase Young against <laughs> Penn State and Michigan and whoever OSU in that situation would face in a Big Ten title game. I don't want to rule anything out, yeah. but <laughs> I mean, his performance against Wisconsin was the single most dominant performance I've witnessed in person by a defensive player. And a, a couple um NFL scouts comment to me uh something similar. So don't roll anything out, but yes, this would make it from just a mountain to climb to being Mount Everest to climb. Yeah. 
I don't want to spend too much time on this. I want to get into the game. But the one thing I do think I would appreciate hearing your perspective on somebody who's been around this team for a long, long time, has been around this team for as long as Chase Young has been in Columbus. What are your general impressions of Chase as a person? I know you you guys don't get a ton of opportunities to interact with them outside of, you know, the, the media availabilities and stuff. So you don't really know them as people, but from what you have been able to interact with him on over the past three years, what are your takeaways about Chase Young as a person as opposed to a football player? Quiet in, in person in interviews, but what we're told is that behind the scenes, he's a goofball. He has a lot of personality when he's with his teammates. Uh, not a traditional leader, but a very, very good, effective leader in that locker room. Um, and I know that uh, I've been told that he actually apologized to his teammates when this whole situation came out. So a stand-up guy, oh, really? too. Yeah. So a, a, a guy that his teammates really rely on, really like, uh, really depend on his leadership. So it's a good point that you bring up. They're not only going to miss a guy who has 13 and a half sacks at this point in the season, they're going to miss his leadership. Um, Jonathan Cooper being out too, he's a leader for the defensive line. So Ohio State is exceptionally lucky that they are deep at that position. Yeah, it's such a, a disappointing thing. Not Mm -hmm. just for Chase, but when you look at the bigger picture of what's going on with the NCAA and this evolution towards allowing students to benefit from their name, image, and likeness use, when you look at the explanation that the lawyer representing Chase Young and this whole thing, Tim Nevius, who has a very interesting history with Ohio Mm -hmm. State that we won't necessarily get into here, um, he basically said that he was – uh, taking this loan to meet basic life expenses. I don't know what that means. We don't know what that means. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe we won't. But in a situation where the NCAA has already announced their intention to explore ways to allow students to make money off of their name, there is no one on Ohio State's team that could have benefited more from that at this point, in my opinion, than Chase Young. And we're in this situation, in my opinion, because the NCAA has drug its feet on on issues like this for far too long. And if they would have been more proactive, which is not something that is in the NCAA's interest or constitution or, you know, or, or makeup. But if that were the case, much like the tattoo gate a decade ago, we wouldn't be here. And, and it's really sad that this kid is going to miss out on things for something like that. And that's just my opinion. It's a little editorializing. I don't know enough details to, you know, to really give a whole lot more than that. But it it just seems like in this day and age of the changing of the tides with the NCAA, this just is another kind of ridiculous thing uh, that happened that didn't necessarily need to. Well, I'll be interested to see how OSU became aware of the violation, yeah. too, is, yeah. is something that I'll want to know, because it just... They're having to do this sort of proactively, which is, you know, if the NCAA could come in, analyze the situation, make a ruling exceptionally quick, then OSU wouldn't have to take a step like suspending a player indefinitely because of what the NCAA might do. Um, So that's another way in which the NCAA is a little behind the times in terms of of what they do. I'm more of a supporter of the NCAA than a lot of people are, but that's an area where they, they could improve their effectiveness and thus improve their relationship with student athletes. Yeah. And fans. Um, and fans, oh, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, yeah, you, you're you're an you officiate sports, so you're always going to take the side of the uh, of the cops, so to speak. So um, we will let that go, though. We will not. Do it like the man. <laughs> we yeah, I fought the law, and the law won. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so well, let's move on to this game. It is going to be a blowout. Ohio State is going to beat them by a lot. Uh, they are like a forty-four and a half point favorite at this point, but it does warrant a mention that last year this game between Ohio State and Maryland was painstakingly close, maddeningly close, and Anthony McFarland Jr. ran for, I believe the correct total is 724 yards against Ohio State's poorest defense last year. The 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 running game for Maryland has still been good this year, but I don't know that it's the exact same offense that it was a year ago. Well, it's similar in this. Maryland doesn't seem to be able to land on one quarterback. Uh, sometimes it's been injuries. I mean, there's a gypsy curse somewhere on uh, the ACLs of Maryland Terrapins quarterbacks. Um, I don't know who it was that offended uh, some voodoo priest, but just some somewhere down the line, someone broke a mirror or something and, and cursed <laughs> ACLs of Maryland quarterbacks for all time. Uh so they've always had sort of a history of using more than one quarterback. And they've been doing that again this year and sort of been getting the kind of inconsistent signal caller play that you would expect from that. Um, and they are relying on their running game a lot, but they rely on it in a way that's, well, it's not Wisconsin. Like they don't churn out five, six yards and then keep doing that. And then and doing that and doing that until they've marched their way down the field into the end zone. They, they will either explode or implode. They, um, they will crack open an attack that just lightning fast. A guy will run 40 yards into the end zone or they're not doing anything. Um, but they are one of the leading teams in the country in terms of explosive rushing plays so that they can get in the end zone. They have two running backs who have seven touchdowns or more, and they're one of the few teams in the in the country with two running backs with seven rushing touchdowns or more. So they, they can break open a play. But if they don't do that, they're not doing much. To the point where they are 115th nationally, despite all those rushing touchdowns, in time of possession. It's, it's almost unfathomable that they are <laughs> rushing the ball like they are and holding on to it as little as they are. And well, and that and the fact that they are not very good in the red zone. One of the issues with Ohio State's offense last yeah. year is that they couldn't run the ball, and that made them a pretty poor red zone offense. Maryland, very good offensive running team, can't score once it gets inside the 20. Again, that happens to be because they can score from 40 yards out, but 20, you know, you, you can't, they, they just, aren't getting those five, six, five, six, seven, three here, four there. They're, they're, they can't grind out series. And so when they get into that area of, of the football field, um, we've been mixing metaphors today, so I can use a, a totally hockey fine. term. Yeah, please the do. sandpaper area of the, of the field, <laughs> you know, the hard areas is what they call them in hockey. Then the, they struggle. So, yeah, they are 86 nationally in red zone offense. That, that's incredible. Again, given the fact that they do have guys that can run the ball. And they have fairly mobile quarterbacks, too. 
Yeah, it's been a very interesting year in Mike Loxley's first season uh, mm-hmm. for Maryland. Uh, one thing that Ryan Day mentioned in one of his media availabilities this week is that despite the fact that they give up a lot of points, they don't miss tackles, which is kind of surprising. Maybe it's that they're not good enough to even get in a position to miss the tackle, um, but they are very good at if they get a hold of a player, they're going to bring him down. Yeah, he was looking at some of the analytics and said that they are one of the best two teams in the country in terms of not missing tackles. Uh, where they are struggling defensively is in pass defense, which isn't exactly surprising when you, you look at their depth chart and see that six of their eight uh, defensive backs in the two deep are uh, freshmen or sophomores. They are very young back there. They have been struggling a little bit, and that is definitely something that – uh, Justin Fields is going to look to pick apart uh, on Saturday. And, and I will say this, it's, it's kind of interesting. I, I did ask Justin Fields at one point this season what his best passing route is, what his best throw is. And uh, he basically said all of them. But um, his, he of had a couple teammates did. say, <laughs> he said it very modestly. It was, it's kind of funny. It's, it's as modest as you can be when saying that there's not a throw you can't make. Um, By saying, he, I'm he perfect. It's the most humble way to say, I'm perfect. Yes, it was. <laughs> but, but his teammates that I asked also that his best pass is the deep ball. Uh, and this is a team that you could maybe see that quite a bit against. Yeah. It, it has not been a part of the Ohio State repertoire thus far this season, perhaps because that's the way that d- defensive have been playing, maybe because they haven't needed it. But we have not seen a ton of deep connections this season. So it will be interesting to see if that's something they try to add in as they work towards the back, however many games of the season, potentially, you know, five if they make it to the national championship game. But they will definitely want to to use that if that is, in fact, Justin's best uh, best throwing weapon. But all right, Lori, I, I want to get it out on one of my favorite Lori type notes. Being a former college soccer player that you are, uh, I know you always have a special fondness for kickers of any sort. You did find a few interesting things out about the punting unit on Maryland. Yes, they have two freshman punters. Um, they list them both in the in the two deep. They're listed as an or situation. And um, I'm personally just hoping that they play the guy who is a second-degree black belt. I mean, who knows how crazy this game is going to be. They might need that. <laughs> you would think that he could make the tackle if they got uh, back down to him. I, I, don't, um, I don't know that a crane kick is legal in NCAA football, but who knows? Maybe. If, if you could pull it off. Like a second degree in a ninja-like second yeah, degree never black see belt move. Yeah. We, yeah, we don't know that the uh, the officials would ever catch it. I mean, m- um, m- most officials are blind anyway, so that's neither here nor there. That's not true. Don't fight the man. <laughs> officials rule. Literally, they rule. Yes. That's what they do. That's the job yes. description. Very interesting stuff. I, uh, obviously, a lot of this game is going to be overshadowed by discussion of Chase Young. Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt are in Columbus, so I'm sure that they're going to have plenty of time to fill talking about Chase Young and the NCAA. So uh, I appreciate you giving us this insight. Lori, uh, bundle up. Is it going to be cold in Columbus uh, on Saturday? Uh, 40s, uh, no rain, which is one reason why we might see uh, some of the deep ball tomorrow, in addition to the fact that Maryland's players are working with a sort of NFL-ish scheme that they're still trying to get a hold of and and haven't uh they're they're getting better but you know 
struggling with some of the concepts. So yeah. that that's we might see some passing yards. Uh, interesting point, real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is one of the things that we discussed with Ryan Day this week. Is yes. um, you know when do you pull players out of the game? Uh, because there's a lot of discussion. You know, oh gosh, don't leave them in too long. You don't want to risk injury. You don't want to uh, run up the score. You don't uh, want to get them tired. But we've sort of reached the point of the year. Uh, Day says where these players need Saturday snaps. <laughs> Um, yeah. to stay sharp, you, it's that rest versus rust dilemma only within a game. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see when OSU's players come off the field. Yeah, it, it does seem like Ryan Day has a much longer leash than a lot of fans on Twitter would like him to have, um, which is probably, uh, I will defer and to him. More than opposing coaches certainly yeah, want him to have. That's true. It's, too. it's pretty amazing that he is still as popular with his peers as he is when he is sort of ruthless in the nicest way possible. But I mean, he is getting most of his starters out by the fourth quarter. He's taking an entire 15 minutes off the game for most starters in yeah. games. And yet they're still running up the scores like they are. And I don't mean running up the scores like with malice aforethought. I just mean like they're putting up that many points while their starters aren't playing a quarter plus of every game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Lori, well, I appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the game on Saturday. And hopefully by the time that we talk next week for the Rutgers game, we will have a resolution to this whole Chase Young fiasco. Don't forget to tune into the best Buckeye coverage on your radio dial on 610 WTVN before and after the game. We will be back with a look inside the numbers and a prediction after this quick break. Until Maryland joined the Big Ten in 2014, the Terps and the Bucks had never met on the football field. And in all honesty, in their five matchups ever since, there hasn't been that much more competition, save for 2018. The Buckeyes have never failed to score fewer than 49 points against Maryland, owning a 277-120 to all-time scoring advantage. Obviously, allowing 51 points last year hurt those overall numbers. For the fourth week in a row, though, SP Plus from ESPN's Bill Connolly has the Bucks as the number one team in the advanced analytics rankings. They are, again, the only team in the country to have both their offense and defense rank in the top five of the SP Plus rankings, with the offense coming in at fifth and the defense being first overall. Their special teams come in at a pretty impressive 14th as well, despite the fact that we are going on year 87 without a kick or punt return for a touchdown. Maryland comes into the game as SP Plus's 63rd best team, with the 61st best defense and the 65th best offense. Connolly projects a score of 46-8 to with a 99% win probability for the Buckeyes. Keep in mind that he had OSU only beating Wisconsin 31-20 two weeks ago, so it seems that his system might still be underselling the Buckeye defense. Football Outsiders F-Plus also has Ohio State as the top team in the country, but has Maryland all the way down at 83rd overall. In 1,067 projected games, the NCAA Game Simulator, which is a really cool tool to use, it spits out an average score of 41 to 11.8 points in favor of Ohio State, with only 6.4% of those games being decided by less than 5 points, and only 0.7% of them going to overtime. The simulator had Ohio State winning 89.8% of the games, and winning by more than 20 points in nearly 71%. 
As Lori mentioned, the Maryland offense hinges on two running backs, Anthony McFarland and Javon Leak. They have combined to average about 113 and a quarter yards per game on the ground, and they both have seven TD runs. But it is Leak who is having a better year. Though he's gotten 15 fewer carries, he has 143 more yards and is averaging 7.7 yards per carry compared to McFarland's 4.9. McFarland is a slightly bigger threat to catch the ball out of the backfield, but not by much. Tayon Fleet Davis is also a pretty good number three running back in both terms of running and receiving. The Terps' best receiver, however, is Dante Demas, who has 491 yards on 32 catches. He is averaging 15.3 yards per reception and has four TDs. Demas is the only receiver on the Terps' team with more than 200 yards receiving on the season. As we discussed before, the Terps have employed a pair of quarterbacks throughout the season, Virginia Tech transfer Josh Jackson and Tyrell Pegram. The latter missed last week's game against Michigan with a hyperextended knee and is questionable for today's game. Jackson has the better raw passing numbers with more than 400 more yards through the air on the season, but it comes on 18 more completions and 57 more attempts. Jackson's completion percentage is just under 50%, while Pegram's is just under 60 They both average around 6.5-ish yards per attempt and have thrown 5 picks apiece, while Jackson, however, has 10 touchdown passes to Pegram's 3. Maryland's most dominant defensive player is a name that should be very familiar to Buckeye fans, linebacker Keandre Jones. After three seasons in Columbus, the only Maryland native transferred back home, where he is now leading the Terps in sacks with 6 and tackles for loss with 11. Now, before I get into my prediction for the game, I want to run through the game times for some of the day's biggest non-Buckeye contests. Since the Buckeye and Terrapin game is likely going to be an incredibly ugly blowout, it wouldn't hurt to have a second screen on ABC at noon for one of two battles of unbeatens unfolding on Saturday as number 4 Penn State goes to Minneapolis to play number 17 Minnesota. At 3.30 on CBS, the other battle of 8-0 teams will happen as the number 2 LSU Tigers head to Tuscaloosa to take on number 3 Alabama. Even without all of this Chase Young stuff, I would have imagined that the team that remains victorious after today's game will likely assume the number 1 spot when the college football playoff rankings come out on Tuesday, but who knows, it's hard to figure anything out these days. Getting back to the Big Ten, at 4 p.m. on Fox, number 18 Iowa will head up to Madison to take on number 13 Wisconsin. Now, the primetime games are all pretty awful, so feel free to go out and get a nice dinner, maybe see a movie, but be back in time for a really good Mountain West matchup in the Pac-12 after dark slot between 6-2 Wyoming and 7-1 and 21st ranked Boise State. That game will kick off at 10.15 p.m. on ESPN. Anyway, back to Ohio State, who will be looking to prove that their defense is much more than just Chase Young, but will also be looking to make a statement without getting anybody hurt. As we discussed with Lori, it will be interesting to see how long Ryan Day leaves his starters in the game. Either way, I can't imagine that this will be much of a contest, even without Young and Cooper and most of the starters exiting some point before the game gets too far into the fourth quarter. 
Maryland is the worst passing defense in the Big Ten, allowing 262.8 yards per game, while their rush defense is in the middle of the package. I expect to see J.K. Dobbins nonetheless go for a buck and a half in two scores, but I do think that Ryan Day and Mike Yersich will try to work on a few more passing concepts to get Justin Fields ready for the back four or five games of this season. So I expect Fields to have his best passing day of his collegiate career, throwing for 275 yards and four touchdowns before exiting the game in the late third quarter or in the quarter break, depending on where the drives fall. Overall, I will take Ohio State at 58, Maryland at 7, so I do think the Buckeyes will cover, but I don't want to go anywhere near that over-under number. Alright, that's all I've got for you today. As always, Land Grant Holy Land will have you covered before during and after the game i will be smashing buttons on the tweeter machine during the game so please follow along and share your thoughts at land grant 33 for social media home for all of land grant holy lands ohio state news analysis and sarcasm you can follow our friend Lori schmidt on twitter at Lori schmidt and her station at 610 wtvn news i am on twitter at bww matt as well and if you are not already please subscribe to land grant holy lands one of a kind podcast network where we not only bring you unique news interviews and analysis but we've also got perspectives on sports and the buckeyes unlike anything else that you will hear in the osu podcasting universe so with all of that out of the way there's only one thing left to say go bucks